Welcome to this episode of Church Grammar. Today we are talking with Scott Swain. Scott Swain is the president of Reformed Theological Seminary in Orlando, has written some books on the Trinity, one of the foremost Trinity scholars in the world, a fantastic man, has done a ton of work on not only the Trinity and the doctrine of God, but also on Catholicity, the idea that we can all learn from each other's traditions and appreciate traditions, both uh, modern, contemporary, and even those in the past. Scott and I just have a very brief conversation about his journey from being a Baptist to a Presbyterian. I mentioned in the podcast, in the conversation with him, that I am always a little in the back of my mind, upset about the fact that he left Baptist life and went to Presbyterianism because, frankly, he is one of my favorite scholars, and he would be great for us Baptists if we had him on our team. Good thing is we both believe in Catholicity, therefore we both believe that ultimately we're on the same team, but that doesn't stop me from trolling him and making fun of him endlessly about sprinkling babies. What else? This episode is sponsored by B&H Academic, bhacademic.com. You can find out about their new releases and their past catalog, all the great books that they offer for pastors, for students, for scholars. And also we are presented by the Christian Standard Bible. Go to csbible.com to find out more about that Bible translation. And now our conversation with Scott, no big deal, is gonna kick us off. I have Scott Swain on the line, and we're going to talk a little bit about uh, issues in the pew and in the church. And Scott, as you know, one of the uh, the great uh, miseries of my life is that you're no longer a Baptist, that you're a Presbyterian now. Yeah, that's true. I, uh, I'm glad it's brought you misery. <laughs> I, I mean, I, how many times have I asked you to come back? I'm, I almost feel like an ex-boyfriend who's begging his, his uh, <laughs> high school girlfriend to come back. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, so anyway, let's let's talk about that a little bit. I just wanted to um, talk about sort of you know what was your journey in becoming a Christian. Um, obviously, you, uh, people may not know this, but you were a Southern Baptist, even went to Southern Baptist uh, Seminary, and then eventually moved into uh, being a Presbyterian and now being the president of one of the extensions of one of the largest Presbyterian uh, seminaries in the world. So uh, I think it would just be interesting for our audience to hear just sort of how you got there, how you walked through it, some of the issues uh, that that you came up against, and yeah, just just sort of how that all started and, and how it got to where it is now. Feel free to, to make that answer as long as you'd like. Yeah. Yeah, so I was raised um, in a Southern Baptist church in Jacksonville, Florida, First Baptist Church, a church where Mecca. my family has been for three generations and um, really just had a, a wonderful Christian upbringing. Uh, mom and dad who uh, raised me in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, a church that was very dedicated to, um, you know, not only expository preaching, but teaching children the Bible within the context of sun- Sunday school um, and various other mechanisms. I remember my dad, every morning I can kind of remember growing up, he read a story from the Bible to us at the breakfast table. We worked on whatever memory verse uh, was coming up for Sunday. Um, And I, you know, kind of looking back, I often think in terms of 
secondary causes within God's providence. It, it was that kind of daily teaching of God's Word and exposure to uh, really great expository preaching that really shaped me um, and prepared me for the kind of work I'm in today. And so uh, really grateful for that upbringing. Um, now, the church I was raised in was not Reformed in any sense of the term, probably in some ways maybe even anti-Reformed. Yeah, I'd expect that from a, from a Jerry Vines pulpit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Although, uh, I'll never forget, I was, I was originally ordained uh, at First Baptist in Jacksonville, and during my ordination exam, Homer Lindsay at one point more or less, you know, talked about how he loved reading all the Reformed and Presbyterian commentators on Romans and <laughs> this and that. And he he he, he kind of revealed that I think he had some leanings uh, in that direction. And I, I think that caught everyone by surprise. Mm. Um, but I'm really grateful for, for my upbringing, the exposure not only to the Bible um, and kind of discipleship training, but also the very strong commitment to evangelism and fulfilling the Great Commission. And, um, you know, however far I have, depending on your perspective, drifted or <laughs> fallen away, <laughs> journeyed from, from that uh, kind of origin today, I still, um, again, credit much of who I am with, with, with those, you know, 22 years or so that I spent um, in that church. So was it at Southeastern Seminary that you started to kind of make that make that shift, or was it earlier? Or? Yeah, so um, when I was a, a junior in college, I started sensing a call to the ministry, and I was encouraged by Jerry Vines and others to go ahead and kind of think about doing seminary right after college. They said, get all the education you can while you can. Um, and Dr. Vines recommended Southeastern Seminary. Paige Patterson was the president at that time. And as you know, Dr. Vines and Dr. Patterson are very close friends going way back. And so I went to Southeastern Seminary. I, I think I had maybe been exposed to things like unconditional election before seminary through reading John MacArthur books, but I really didn't um, know anything about Reformed theology until I got to seminary. In fact, I remember being a junior in high school and hearing uh, a, I think it was one of my history teachers tell us that Huguenots were French Calvinists and Calvinists don't believe you can have assurance of salvation, which is pretty <laughs> funny looking back. Um, that's all I knew of Calvinism. But um, we got to Southeastern Seminary and, and was, was given a very, um, I think, broad and solid theological education, was encouraged to read broadly in the tradition, as well as given um, very good kind of original languages training and um, biblical training. And, and that's when the issues really started to present themselves to me. You know, I remember having a, a conversation after class one day with my Greek professor about Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and 10, and how should we take the language of this is not of yourselves um, in Greek. Is it, is the, is it referring back to everything in front of it? Is it referring to grace, salvation, you know, and faith? And so um, really 
right there at the beginning of my seminary career, I started to ask these questions. And then over the course of seminary, I, I, I did come to a more reformed understanding, not only of salvation. Um, I read R.C. Sproul, Chosen by God. I read John Calvin's Institutes and a host of other things. But I think for me, what was an even more um, powerful transformation that that started happening was really my approach to reading the Bible. I'd been raised, uh, again, at First Baptist was pretty solidly dispensational church. Um, and I had my Schofield reference Bible. Um, I remember when I was in college, I, I taught in the youth Sunday school class, and I remember I was responsible one week for teaching the lesson on the last things, on eschatology, and I remember working through the the study guide that we had, and it was trying to say, this verse refers to the great white throne of judgment. That verse refers to the rapture. And I remember having this despairing feeling as I studied, because I felt like I really must not understand the Bible, because I don't see how this works. And, <laughs> and I wasn't thinking that with any kind of cynicism. Yeah. It was really an honest thought that I really must be an ignoramus, and I all the Bible, I thought, I really must not understand how this book works. And so as I got to seminary, and, and, and was and, I, and so anyways, I started learning to read the Bible differently. I started reading people like not only Meredith Klein, but Gerhardus Voss. And really the idea that the Bible is one unfolding story of creation, redemption, consummation, and that when you read it that way, um, it fits together in, in kind of very natural ways. That, for me, was what really, I think, began to, to change things. And so I think by the time I finished seminary at Southeastern, I was, a, I guess what you call a Reformed Baptist, but a Reformed Baptist with a strong um, redemptive historical hermeneutic. And so I went off to TEDs after that, worked on my PhD, focusing on doctrine of God, focusing on hermeneutics didn't really think about <clears throat> these matters in any full of detail because as you know, Brandon, in your doctoral work, you just got to focus on pretty narrow stuff. Yeah. Getting exposed to the literature in your field, learning what the issues are, who the, the main players and what the arguments are and so forth and so forth. So you don't really have time to kind of oftentimes think kind of globally about things. And so um, eventually was teaching at a Southern Baptist seminary in Fort Worth, Texas. And as my wife and I started having kids, as we started thinking about, you know, how do we as Christian parents relate to these children? How do we raise them? It, I think what had happened is it put us in a new context where we once again started thinking about some of these more global kind of theological issues. And, the, the way I say it, for me, I, I kind of had the hermeneutic in place, a, a kind of redemptive historical approach to reading the Bible. And as I started, you know, asking these questions and reading it the Bible this way, that's when things like, you know, our view of the family, view of how various covenants relate to each other, that's when things started to change for me. And so... Uh, my wife and I both wrestled it over the course of a, probably about a year and a half, uh, talked through some of the issues with some good friends uh, 
um, there in Fort Worth, um, some administrators, some faculty members there, and then got to the point where I realized, yeah, I think my mind has changed and um, I think it's time to move on. And, and really, for the most part, was, you know, had some wonderful interactions with, with, with folks there on the faculty and administration. Um, and then the Lord opened the door for me to come to RTS in Orlando. And uh, the rest, they say, is history. So were all of your all of your kids been sprinkled? Did you get one dunked in there before you made the full switch, or or was it too uh, too late? No, they they were all baptized. Uh, I mean, they, our oldest was. Uh, or do you five mean years n- old, none of them were baptized, Scott? Was... None of them were baptized. <laughs> <laughs> they were all baptized as covenant children. <laughs> my good Baptist dad attended the baptism of my oldest three children. And that was that was a fun, interesting day. He, of course, didn't uh, agree with it, and, and and might have muttered under his breath a few times, <laughs> where, "Where does the New Testament talk about covenant?" But um, he, he's a great dad and um, was a good sport in that situation. Yeah, and so you recently, I thought it was it was pretty cool and interesting. Was it was it last year uh, that you were awarded an, an alumni of the year award from Southeastern? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, that was really nice. I actually um, text one of the one of the guys over there, and I said, "So, are you guys just trying to make everybody mad by giving Scott a uh, an award? Because <laughs> we all know that Scott is one of the great apostates of the Baptist Church." <laughs> right, right. No, that was um, extremely generous of them, and um, it it meant a lot to me personally because again, I I got so much from Southeastern. Um, I respect. Uh, so many of the folks who still lead that seminary, Dr. Aiken, he was my theology prof, um, have a lot of good friends on the faculty. And so it, it was a, a very great honor to to receive that opportunity. Um, I actually spent a couple of weeks up there this summer doing some research and was able to also reconnect uh, with some folks after having not been in Wake Forest in 20 years. Wow. Yeah, well, that's awesome. And I think it is great. You know, something that you and I have in common, something I've learned a lot from you is just the idea of Catholicity and appreciating each other's traditions and understanding where, you know, the, the major things we can agree on are. So what are what are some of the things that you would say, you know, Presbyterian, Baptist, you know, in both sides of the fence that you've been on, what are some of the sort of um, things that you appreciate about both sides that we can all kind of get together on that maybe you wish... Presbyterians could learn from Baptists and vice versa, and uh, how we can keep kind of just moving forward together in, in a healthy way. Well, I mean, I think that you know, for all the the controversy that maybe we've seen in the past couple of years related to the doctrine of the Trinity and even to the doctrine of divine attributes and so forth, um, it really shouldn't be an issue that divides Presbyterians and Baptists because historically, um, at least if you look at the major Reformed confession, certainly, and, and, and most of the major kind of 17th century Baptist confessions as well, uh, they have solidly small-c Catholic and Orthodox confessions on the doctrine of the Trinity, the do- right. doctrine of divine attributes, and so forth. Uh, when you move from there into things like creation and providence, 
Um, again, you're going to find great similarities. Same thing when it comes to uh, Christology and soteriology, although, again, when you get to 17th century Baptist confessions, you do find um, differences there between particular Baptists and general Baptists. So I, I do think there are uh, lots of, of, of places for common ground, um, lots of places for a, a commitment to um, a, a Protestant orthodoxy that that has a, a deep uh, Catholicity as well. And I've actually, you know, I've been really encouraged with uh, the work that folks like uh, Matt Emerson and Luke Stamps have done to not only emphasize um, kind of classical Trinitarian and Christological teaching and even classical hermeneutics, but also the, the Catholicity of the Baptist tradition. Yeah. Had an opportunity to interact with Timothy George a few years back on these matters. Um, and, and I think of him as well as someone who has really wanted to claim the, the Catholicity of the Baptist tradition. And so I think these are very promising signs. And, and I think that, you know, as faithful Christians are seeking resources for renewing not only their theology, but their understanding of the Christian life and the, the church and its ministry and worship and mission, um, I think all of us would do well to, to kind of dig into some of these common resources. Um, in terms of where we can learn from each other, I mean, it, I do I have an interesting experience having having lived in both worlds and um, at least one sliver of both worlds, because <laughs> as you know, uh, Baptists worldwide, there, there's a wide variety, and that's true of, of Reformed and Presbyterian churches as well. Right. But I think everyone's outside of the Southern Baptist Convention, at least if we can use them as an example, kind of use with great envy the cooperative program. And the older I get, the <laughs> the more impressed I am by the genius of, of those that really not only designed it, but but sold it to the convention way back <laughs> when. And and the fact that, you know, Baptist churches, which really are not under any kind of common governance, nevertheless are committed to cooperate um, financially for the sake of theological education and mission and um, production of publication of Christian resources and so forth, um, that, that really is the envy I think of a lot of other evangelical denominations, and um, I think there'd be some valuable lessons uh, to learn there. Certainly, the the missionary zeal uh, of Southern Baptists is a glorious um, and, and wonderful thing. Um, as you know, Presbyterian history has its own uh, fine history of, of zeal for missions as well. And so I don't really contrast Baptists and Presbyterians on that. Um, although some of my Baptist friends would, I think historically <laughs> it's not really uh, fair to do so. And so there's, yeah, there, there's a lot of, of ways that we can learn from each other and, um, hopefully ways moving forward in the future, we can continue to, uh, work together in the great common cause of the gospel. You know, Matt, Luke, and I all work with the Center for Baptist Renewal, and you have a standing offer to become a fellow <laughs> of the Center for Baptist Renewal if you will just uh, recant and come back to the church. <laughs> I'm so terrible. People are going to uh, think that I, that I hate all Presbyterians. Come back to the church that John the Baptist founded. <laughs> That's exactly right. 
<laughs> oh man, now you took us. Now you took me way too far. I'm, you took us way too far. That was insulting. When you start calling me a landmarkist, <laughs> you've gone too far. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Well, Scott, enough. What, what do you have working on? Uh, what are you working on? What's coming uh, down the pike for you? I'm sure there's there's plenty of good Trinitarian work you've got going on. I know you're overseeing the the commentary series with TNT Clark. Uh, what are some things you're doing that you're excited about and you want to talk about? Yeah. Um, so I'm about halfway through a little book on the Trinity, which is hopefully going to be something that could basically be picked up as someone's first book on the Trinity. So it's an introductory level uh, thing. Um, I've, it's been a lot of fun to work on. Um, hoping I can make progress on it. Lord willing, uh, get it wrapped up at the end of next calendar year. Uh, and then the the next really bigger project that I had to put off um, with the, the job transition a couple of years ago is a book on the divine attributes in the New Studies and Dogmatic series that Mike Allen and I edit. Um, I've got some opportunities to, to work through some of the in the first couple of chapters of that this coming year uh, through some lectures. And uh, I'm really excited about that project. It's something I've wanted to do for a long time, really kind of flowing out of my doctoral work um, now a decade and a half ago. And so um, that's the one I'm really kind of chomping at the bits to put pen to paper and, and, and flesh some of the things out that I've been trying to think through over the past uh, several years. Uh, Mike and I are also putting the finishing touches on an Oxford handbook of reform theology. Uh, that's been a, a really big project for us. Uh, I don't think we really knew what we were getting into with 40 <laughs> contributors um, and so forth, but we're really pleased the way the chapters have turned out. I think that's going to be a good resource um, with with some some really unique contributions to that as well. And so, yeah, the editing for the other series continues apace. Um, got some exciting commentaries that hopefully will see the light of day. Maybe even in 2019, Gerald Bray on the pastoral epistles, mm. uh, Mark Gillette on Micah. Um. And, and and those are those are very very fine uh, commentaries. Yeah, Lighthearts two volume on Revelation is really really good. That was really well done. Yeah, yeah, I and mean, he's working on another one now. So uh, Leviticus, <laughs> of course he is. Yeah, that man produces. That man produces. He doesn't. It's not like he, he publishes every six months, but he consistently publishes <laughs> really big, awesome, thick work on a pretty regular basis. Yeah, yeah. So is that is that reform dictionary? Is that one of those things that uh, the scholars call a labor of love, so they don't have to call it uh, a curse or something like that? Something like that. <laughs> yeah. Well, Scott, I know you got to go, but I appreciate you taking a few minutes to talk through this. Um, hopefully, we don't make any Baptists become Presbyterians. Only as an example to say we should love our Presbyterian brothers, but we should never be one of them. That's what I'm hoping we get out of this. But if they have any questions, just feel free to call me. As your email is as easily Googleable, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. All right. Hey, th well, thanks for having me, Brandon. Yeah, Appreciate thanks, it. Scott. Talk to you soon.